Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back. It's your Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Maurice. Stephen Means, Nathan Barrett. Nathan, why'd you vote Ohio State number one? I think they're going to be the best team. I think they're the best collection of talent. I was trying to decide between them and Clemson. I sort of sat down and sketched out position by position, which program I thought was ahead right now. Um, and, I, and I came up with the Buckeyes. So I think it's going to be those two in Alabama. It would have been those two in Alabama, I should say, for the, for the best three programs this year. Um, I want to see a little bit more of Alabama's quarterbacks before I put them on that top tier. But um, I, I think Ohio State, just what it has uh, offensively, what it has in, in somebody like Sean Wade on the other side of the ball to kind of help balance things out, I, I, that, that was the best collection of talent this year to start the season from what we know. So what – I mean, yeah, I mean, hot. Just came in hot right off the bat. Nathan's like, what? Where's the intro? <laughs> um, the AP poll came out on Monday. And so here on the Tuesday Buckeye Talk, that's what we're talking about. 38 first place votes for Clemson, number one Clemson. 21 first place votes for number two Ohio State. Two first place votes for number three Alabama. And then a stray first place vote for number six LSU. So that's 62 voters. I think as we had talked about this when the coaches poll came out a couple weeks previously, I thought like a – and in, in if you had 60 voters, like a 35-25 Clemson over Ohio State is where I would have guessed. This is pretty close to that, 38-21. As we know, all pollsters are idiots, but AP voters are significantly less, significantly lower on the idiot scale than the people who do the coaches poll. It's not a – it's not a – it's a group of idiots. It's – you have 120 idiots in a room, and then you try to pick out the smartest idiots – and most of them are AP voters. 38-21 on the first place vote, Stephen. Eh, about right in your mind? Pretty close? Or, or do you think Ohio State should have gotten a few more or a few less? No, I think it's about on point, especially since they played each other at the end of last season. And the most important part of both of those two teams is back, and that's Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. We knew they'd be one and two. So I'm not surprised. Had Ohio State maybe won that game, they probably get the – 38 to 21 victory and are the number one team coming into the season. But because they played, you have a little bit more, I guess, things that you can go off of when you're making a decision like this. So no surprise. Nathan, I, I enjoyed you talking about the decision. Like in the end, was it like razor thin for you on picking Ohio state or Clemson as you went through it? Or once you analyzed it and compared everything, of course, Clemson in the mix, but was it pretty clear to you that Ohio state was going to get your vote? No, it was still pretty close, and and there's even that that voice in the back of your mind that's telling you, well, you you see Ohio State more, you talk about them every day, you spend all of your professional life thinking about Ohio State, and there's an inherent bias that sometimes creeps in on that when a team is good or whether a team is bad that you sometimes steer into that a little bit. So I had that in the back of my mind, kind of warning me to to make sure I wanted to vote Ohio State number one, as I did last year when I finally moved them to number one. You'll part of the way through the season, and. I, you know, it for everything that I thought Ohio State had going for, you know, I thought Ohio State clearly has the better offensive line this year. But I think Clemson 
at least on paper, has the better defensive line going into this year. We'll, we'll see how that turns out. Ohio State, uh, I think, you know, a little bit more security at cornerbacks. Um, Clemson, maybe a little bit more security at safety. Just little things like that that were, were balancing everything out. I did eventually give, you know, Ohio State the edge at quarterback, and it's a slim one, but I thought Justin Fields just had a better year last year than Trevor Lawrence, so I'm, I'm giving them the edge in that going into the year. I called wide receiver a, a wash. Um, and that's another area, though, that I think might trend in Ohio State's favor just because of the Justin Ross injury. So at the end of the day, I, I don't know. I guess it wasn't a coin toss, but uh, I could – Clemson's right there. Ohio State's right there. I don't think you can pick either of those top two teams right now and be wrong. And really, I think you could probably pick Alabama, as a couple people did, and not be wrong. I think you are wrong if you picked LSU, though. Sorry. So Clemson had 1,520 points. Ohio State had 1,504 points. And then, it, you know, there's a decent drop to Alabama, 1,422 points. So that's a, that's a pretty big gap. And then an even bigger gap to Georgia, 1,270 at number four. So Clemson, only 16 points ahead of Ohio State. They got 17 more first-place votes. They were 16 points ahead overall. I, I think that's a – it's not a surprise, Stephen, with how much we've talked about quarterbacks, but I think we all think Alabama's pretty close. I think it's a, a somewhat of a significant acknowledgement for Ohio State that there's a pretty clear top two, right? That they're, that they're mm-hmm. right on Clemson's heels, and then Bama, you know, Bama only got a, a handful of first-place votes. That it, it really – it's not really a top three with the way people are viewing it right now, there's a pretty clear top two in college football, the way people analyze this in the preseason. Yeah, there are clearly two teams that, and we just know more about them. As Nathan said, you first of all, between Mac Jones and their freshman quarterback, we just haven't seen it yet. So you can't automatically stamp that Alabama, even with the angry Alabama theory, you can't just automatically stamp that, okay, yeah, this is going to be a national championship contending team just because we haven't seen what the quarterback play looks like. With the other two teams, we know they're good and we've seen what they had to offer. So we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the AP poll. We're going to talk about Nathan's preseason All-American ballot. And, of course, Ohio State's not playing in the fall. So I, I know – I saw some people tweeting, you know, this just pounded – drove it home for – I mean, you knew they were good. I mean, what's, what else do you need to know? This didn't change anything. It's not like anybody out there who was like, you know, I'm really sad about not playing in the – oh, their second – now I'm really sad. It didn't change anything. The declarative, I'm not going to rant about Twitter anymore. People tweet so stupid. They treat, I hate people who tweet like they're Grantland Rice. Just Grantland Rice, I don't believe ever used Twitter. But people are trying to act like you would have just when the Ohio State Buckeyes thought the pain couldn't go any deeper. The preseason AP poll came out and drove home just exactly what the Buckeyes will be missing out on this. No, it won't. They knew it. Everybody knew it. This didn't matter at all. I'm not going to get on a soapbox today. People don't need to be on a soapbox today. We want to talk a little bit about football, but there is, we want to talk a little bit about the money situation with not having fall sports. And there's something I want to make a point on. I did a little digging into the votes in the AP poll and where things stood. And there's at least some information I want to present about the quote legitimacy of a winter season compared to a fall season. And I want to talk about the teams that are going to be playing in those two seasons and how we might compare them. Because I do think there's some information the way that I've presented it that I think might, might help some people have a slightly different view on it. But I want to talk about the All-American team, which is going to be released sometime early Tuesday afternoon. And Nathan, you voted in that. Did you vote first team and second team or just a first team? It's just a first team. Just a first team. So, Stephen, how many first team Buckeyes do we think Nathan put on his preseason All-American team? I'll say three. Yeah, I was going to say three or four, depending on how he feels at quarterback. Well, why don't you go ahead and just guess rather than say three or four, just pick one and make that be your guess since it doesn't matter. Four. Four. Okay. Nathan, how many? I did have four Ohio State players. I had three, including the quarterback. Okay. So 
My three get, wouldn't have been the quarterback. The, the one you probably don't have is Josh Myers. So mm-hmm. that right. I would I assumed Wade, Sean Wade at corner, Wyatt Davis at, on the offensive line. And I guessed, given what you'd said about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields previously, I guessed that you made Justin Fields. I wasn't sure that you had Josh Myers. Um, but to be fair, can you name another center in college football? Not that well, I'm I, saying you didn't. Research uh, extensively I, your choices. <laughs> I could at the time I was putting this together, and, and it, what it kind of came down to was, though, I didn't have any way to separate all of those guys. And I kind of the way I feel about this is there's obvious guys, right? I mean, there's guys who are just obvious. Um, you know, Chuba Hubbard and Travis Etienne are going to get a bunch of vote. They got Those were the two running backs I had. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Panay Sewell is going to get a bunch of votes. Jamar Chase is going to get a bunch of votes. Uh, you know, Marvin Wilson from Florida State and Kayvon Thibodeau, the guys like that are going to get a bunch of votes. I mean, there's guys who are just kind of like no-brainers. And then you're going to get other positions where it's a lot more muddy. And I feel like – I don't know that it's like your duty as a, as a person who covers a team to vote for the local guy in that case or the Big Ten guy in that case. Sometimes it's not an Ohio State guy you vote for. I think there were some other cases where maybe I leaned towards a Big Ten guy when there was a, a muddle of guys. But that's how I think you – that's how you get a national representation of these things. At the, at the end of the day, the consensus will decide, I guess, who, who the, the vote getter, the winner was. But I think this is the, that's how you have an honorable mention is there's going to be a scattered legitimate mentions of, of a handful of other guys. And I think Josh Myers uh, certainly has done enough in his career to merit mention in this case. So that's why I ended up voting for him. I know he probably won't be the one who, who gets that vote, but I think it's a legitimate vote. And I think it's someone, it puts him in the conversation for it, and now he gets to go be decided on the field, except it won't be because there won't be a full season that Ohio State's participating in. So that is interesting. I, I've heard people make that argument that, that if you're, you know, and, and tie goes to the regional guy, right? That, that you have people from all over the country, and then if, always, every, but yeah. if everybody does that, I, I never did. I, I disagree with that, actually. But I, think it's, I don't think it's wrong. Um, and I will say that, like, when I've been on, like, postseason discussions for All-American teams and things like that, and trying to vote by yourself in the preseason is much more difficult than having a conference call with people from all over the country. But they do try to make sure on those calls that they have everybody, all the regions and all the conferences represented. And you kind of are in charge of making sure that your conference is like, hey, is there anybody else right. in your conference that we should throw in the mix? It's like, hey – Josh Myers, he did this, he did that. He at least deserves to be considered for something like this. I, and it's your job to make sure his name gets out there. So you don't have that in something like this. They didn't have a conference call with the AP voters. So no, you're you not doing this from, is, is a version of that. Yeah, you're not starting from nominations with these. You get, you know, Ralph Russo from the AP sends you an email with positions and then just blanks. And it's up to you to go figure out who you want. And again, it's, it's not like you're trying to squeeze Trey Sermon in as one of the running backs. I think Josh Myers is has, has proved himself and 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 had, had enough accolades that I think that it's it's worth putting him in the conversation for that position. And it's it's also different when your offensive line is just so much tougher to judge on an individual basis um, for for all of us. I think it's in the media, and I think we uh, there's people who get a little too cute with it and think that they can better than they can. So. Um, that's why I voted for him. I know that that was going to be the, that was going to be the one Homer pick all those other, those other three guys. I think it's no, I, those all, those other three guys could almost be unanimous and I don't think anybody to be, well, fields won't be unanimous and Wade probably won't be either. There's some other good cornerbacks, but someone like white, white Davis could be a unanimous preseason all American. So let's guess Steven, when this comes out and people are getting this podcast early Tuesday morning, if you're listening to it Tuesday after about one o'clock or so that it has been released, Steven, who do you think will be the preseason All-American quarterback on the AP team, Fields or Lawrence? I think Trevor Lawrence will be. Um, I think Justin clearly had a better season last year, but I think the world is, is just falling in love with Trevor Lawrence and thinks that he's going to be so much better than he was last year, and he's already the favorite to win the Heisman, while Justin Fields obviously is a close number two, but I think most people will pick Trevor Lawrence. Nathan, do you agree with that? I think it might be Lawrence, but I don't think it would be a landslide. I think it would be pretty close because, again, Justin Fields is the returning Heist Trophy candidate. He did have the better season last year. Um, So, again, it depends on who's voting, but a body of reporters who probably go look at things like analytics and pro football focus and things like that now, I think they might – Fields will get a decent amount of support. When And just to clarify on this, what – was known about players opting out what was known about 
what a fall season might look like when your ballot was due on this? Like, was Micah Parsons out before you voted or no? Well, that's that's a tough question to answer because they, they sent these ballots out pretty early and asked for a response. And so I think there was probably about a month long spread of when people might have first submitted a ballot. And then when, cause I didn't submit mine until last week. Um, they were still asking for responses last week for those of us who'd forgotten. So, um, and those of us who were kind of waiting as long as possible for things to settle down. So people who voted early could have like redone their ballot and sent it in, but they, they were, you know, the way they explained it was, um, you know, all players, including those whose season has been postponed or who have already opted out, are eligible. So Micah Parsons is eligible. Um, oh, all, I, all those guys are eligible. But what about the what about the team ranking? Penn State is seventh in this. Did people vote Same. thinking Micah Parsons was on the team or not on the team? I think there are, again, I think there are people who probably voted. Now, you could change your vote up until they close the poll. Um, but I think there are people who, who voted with in mind what they would have voted with, with Micah Parsons playing. And there's probably people who voted – knowing he was already going to be out and factoring that into their decision. I think you probably saw both because I, I don't know how you put – you give the option out there that everybody is eligible. I don't know how you can force somebody to only see it one way. You know what I mean? Like I think both – I think it's, it's impossible for that not to probably affect some people's votes. But it should. If you have the information, it should affect your vote. He's not playing. Of course it should right. affect your vote. Well, but it's also, I mean, but the, the reason they're including all of the teams, including all the players on all of the teams, was to kind of the w same way we talked about the posterity of the Cleveland.com poll. It's kind of to get that on the record of this is what it might have been going into okay, the season. Okay, so, so. That, so that's an important distinction. So, and I, I don't care. The preseason All-American team, I don't care about. But the, the poll, I, I think, is interesting. They told you to act like nobody has opted out or to, a, or to include the idea that if you know a guy has opted out and Micah Parsons is not playing college football anymore, that should factor into your Penn State decision of where to rank them or no? I, I know this probably doesn't help what you're trying to get to, but it, it, what it actually says is all players, including those whose seasons have been postponed or who have already opted out, are eligible. It does not tell you not how to think about that. For the poll, are eligible. What does are eligible mean? For, I don't care about the team. Don't talk about okay. the team anymore. Well, I'm just telling you that's the, the instructions but, applied to both. But that doesn't make sense. Are eligible, what does that mean? I think they're eligible to be voted it's on the you, team. It's, it's telling, telling you not to leave off teams that were, would obviously be top 25 caliber teams if they were playing this fall. It's, to, it's telling you, I know Ohio State I, isn't playing this fall, but don't leave them I, off. I'm not asking about if they're playing this fall. I'm asking about if a player has said, and it doesn't have, there are guys who have opted out of teams that are playing this fall. Should did you when you voted? Okay, when yes. you voted, did you yes. vote for Penn State knowing that Micah Parsons was not going to play, or did you vote as if he was playing and you wanted to treat them holistically and act like he was still there? I'm sorry, I'm trying to bring up my actual poll again because I forgot. Because my so. point is, I think without Micah Parsons, seven is probably a little high for them. I think with Micah Parsons, seven is right, and I'm Penn just State, curious. Penn State is ninth on my ballot. And I would have had them higher if Micah Parsons were playing. I okay. think they were more like six, seven. Yeah. Right. So most, most people went the opposite way. They just treated it as if, if everything was normal and everybody was playing and nobody had opted out, here's how things would look in the preseason poll. Cause that's, I don't know if most people did that, but it, it, there's other people who probably would have just naturally had Penn State lower than I did too. Because there are – I mean, that's why we did our Cleveland.com poll the way we did it. Because I want – I, I – I we try to say, just pretend this is like in an ideal world if COVID didn't exist. And it felt, it feels like the AP instructions left it. Cause I, I think there's a world where you could have voted Micah Parsons, a preseason all American, but also ranked Penn mm -hmm. state 11th. Cause you knew he wasn't playing right. Those things are not opposite That's thinking, right? Almost exactly what I did. He is one of my three linebackers and I voted them ninth. Yeah, so I think that's that to me makes the most sense. But I think if you have that Penn State is is a pretty solid seventh overall, um, they're they're quite a bit ahead of number eight Florida. They're twenty two points ahead of number eight Florida, and they're thirty nine points behind number six LSU. They're a solid seventh. I don't I don't know that they're the seventh best team if they don't have Michael Parsons. Okay, this leads us into the thing that I want to talk about. That it's going to be the brunt of this podcast we'll take a quick break actually we'll come back we'll talk about money for five minutes and then we're going to talk about i have a match i did a matchup of going by the ap poll 
the top eight teams that are playing in the fall and the top eight teams that are playing in the winter. A little bracket. Them against each other. And I want you guys to think about it, and I want our listeners to think about how much better do you think the fall season will be when you think about these matchups? And I also went through and found what are the top teams that have had guys opt out? Because I think people are feeling like, oh, the opt out is affecting a lot of things. I wanted to try to get a handle on how much the opt out is affecting things so far. We'll be right back with all of this on Buckeye Talk. We're back, Doug, Nathan, Steven. Nathan, I want to get into money stuff a little bit. This is, again, recording late Monday afternoon. Ohio State had a board of trustees agenda that came out on Monday that revealed they are expecting uh, $130 million less in athletic revenue this year compared to last year. But that is not quite the whole story and all along I think we've been talking about based on what Gene had said along the way what Gene Smith had said maybe 80 to 100 million in the end of what you really would lose what can you tell us about this 100 130 million dollar number and how should our listeners be interpreting it right now yeah so the important thing to remember is the difference between a, a revenue differential a revenue decrease and a budget decrease. Right now it's a revenue decrease. It doesn't include the offset of the spending that you wouldn't be spending. And so the, the whole number is still going to be greater than what the loss would be. Um, this is actually, the, the agenda is for the whole university's athletic or the whole university's budget. It's not just athletics and athletics is just one small part of it. There's no line item in there. It doesn't get into how much is being lost from different revenues. We can compare that based on previous seasons. So the, the main thing is that it's it, right now they're just talking about revenue. They're not talking about the offsets that Ohio State would have saved by not having to tr do certain travel uh, do other expenditures that go along with putting on athletics. And the other thing I thought was important is that it, it, it's factoring in the money that won't be there this fall because of football mostly. It, it's all fall sports, but football mostly. And the, the media the rights, only fall sport that right. makes any money. The, the media but, rights and the, 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 the ticket sales that normally come along with football are missing. So that's what it's talking about. It doesn't factor in potential media rights slash ticket revenue for a spring or winter season because number one that's really hard to project right now even if we knew that there was going to be one but number two there just isn't it hasn't been finally it hasn't been finalized we don't know for sure that there's going to be a spring or fall or spring or winter season so there's still some things that are up in the air it's why i think ohio state one reason why ohio state hasn't really announced anything else yet in terms of any cuts that are coming in athletics because i think they're still trying to get an exact handle on what revenue will be there or they, what revenue they can actually project for in the, the, for the end of this fiscal year. So again, if you see that $130 million number, that's not, that's not the right number because it's, it's just the revenue. You know, if you're not having a game, you don't have to pay people to work at the game. If you're not having a game, you don't have to go on a road trip and pay for the travel involved with the road trip. Like they just stuff like that that you still have to pay staff, although, you know, again, Ryan Day better get a pay cut. Um, I don't, Gene Smith, I think, is working more. So I actually don't know if Gene should get a pay cut because Gene is like trying to – I'm not like trying to, you know, stand up for Gene Smith. He's fine. But he makes like 20% of what Ryan Day makes. And he's been working for six months to try to like patch this all together and save stuff. Ryan Day is paid to coach football. And if there's no football – or less football, or he's actually not paid. I don't want to go off on a tangent here. Maybe I do. He's actually not paid to coach football. He's paid because the football team makes a lot of money. He's not paid for the act of coaching football. The act of going on a practice field and blowing a whistle and the act of leading meetings and hiring a staff and the act of designing offensive game plans and coaching up Justin Fields, the act of that is not worth $6 million. It's not. Because all – Stephen rolled his eyes. Well, no, that I is not $6 million <laughs> worth of intrinsic value to the world. It's not, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> it's not a different conversation because exactly. the conversation is you're paid – because what you do makes this much money. All those things make $80 million. 
and the better he is at it, theoretically and not theoretically. Proof. They've proved it. The better they are, the more they make. And if this football program fell off a cliff and went three and nine for six straight years, they would make less money. But if you're making substantially less money for other reasons, even out of your control, you can't pay him $6 million because it's it, that you're, it is directly tied. It's not, you're not worth it. A professor in the medical school who is teaching people who are going to try to cure cancer and perform surgeries, there is much greater intrinsic value to the world for what that person does. If we're going on intrinsic value, the medical school professor should make five times what Ryan Day does, but the medical school professor doesn't put 100,000 butts in the seat. So if there's not 100,000 people in, in Ohio Stadium, then you can't make as much. And like that is, a, that's not even an opinion. That's a fact. That's a fact. So I will be very curious how they cut some of this stuff because if you, if anybody wants to make an argument that coaching a football team on its own is worth $6 million, go ahead. It's wrong. Here is my little matchup game. I think there segue. were – what's that? I said, <laughs> segue. <laughs> we're no longer talking about money. Segue. All right, so there's one, two, three, four, five, six – seven, eight, nine, right? Nine teams in the preseason AP yes. top 25 from the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Yes. So I did matchups. If we had an eight game in a little mini bracket, fall football versus winter football, assuming that there's some kind of a winter or spring football, what would the matchups look like? Now, of course, the fall is better. But how much better? And this, to my, this, the reason I'm doing this is the JV argument. And I want to get into the second part of the JV argument because I know it's a two-part argument. And actually, let me, let me break it into two parts right now and get your take on it. Steven, I think the two-part argument to me of that, that football in the winter or spring is JV is A – Bama and Clemson and the best teams are playing in the fall. And if they're playing in the fall and you're and the big 10 and the PAC 12 are playing in the winter, it's just JV by definition. And the other is some expectation that will, there will be a significant number more opt outs for winter for the winter teams than there are for the fall teams that Bama and Clemson and LSU and Oklahoma and Georgia and all those teams, even if they're already better, than the other than the winter teams, they will be operating at close to a hundred percent, and Ohio State might be operating at without its seven best players, and Michigan's already lost some people. Which of those two, like, how would you break down out of a hundred percent? How much is just the the SEC and the ACC and the Big Twelve are sort of better conferences, and if you're not playing with them, you're JV, and how much is the fear of a lot more opt outs? Seventy five percent opt out. 25% he's just talking trash and saying our conferences are better than yours. Nathan, do you agree with that breakdown? I think it's probably even more that he's talking about the opt-outs. I think that's the, the crux of the, the JV argument, that it's not that the teams are JV, the programs of themselves are JV. He's lost to those programs over the years. I think it'd be a pretty careless thing to say. But when you start talking about taking all the best players off of all those teams, you are essentially left with, I wouldn't call it JV, but it's certainly not your, your full varsity by any means. So then if you can avoid the winter season having just – five times the number of opt-outs of the fall season, then you really can push back against the JV argument. Would you agree with that, Stephen? Yeah, because it's, it's no longer JV. It's your, full, it's your full roster. It's just happening at a different time period. I mean, it, it's got to be – it would be a number lower than five times. But, yeah, I know what you're saying. Okay. So let me do this breakdown. Well, now that we talked about that, let me do the other thing I did. Okay. So I went through – it is hard. I'm not – maybe we should have one at Cleveland.com. I was looking, sometimes the national sites have like very comprehensive national lists on this stuff. I was trying to look at Yahoo and CBS Sports and ESPN. Somebody who had every single opt-out, for sure. 
here are all the opt-outs. And I couldn't quite find it because I found some lists and then I double-checked the list. It's like, oh, well, this list that says here are all the opt-outs missed these six guys. And this list that says here are all the opt-outs didn't include these 11 guys from the other thing. So it's hard. I don't have a complete handle on it. But I did my best. And let me go through the top 18 teams, let's say. And I'll say how many opt-outs there are so far for the top top teams in the AP preseason poll. Clemson, Ohio State, Bama, Georgia, none. Oklahoma's number five. They have Kennedy Brooks, who is their number one running back, who opted out. And they're playing in the fall. So the team, like the best team that lost an important guy is a fall team. Not a winner team. It's a fall team. Number six is LSU. They've lost two guys. And I think, okay, guys. I mean, they didn't lose their best players, but LSU has had two guys opt out. Number seven, Penn State, Micah Parsons. So that they have one. Number eight, Florida, none. Number nine, Oregon, the best team in the Pac-12. None so far. None that I could find. If I'm wrong, I apologize, but none. Number 10, Notre Dame, played in the fall, none. Number 11, Auburn, two. Two, I think, legitimate dudes. Again, they're playing in the fall, Auburn without two guys. Number 12, Wisconsin, playing in the winter, none. Number 13, Texas A&M, none. Number 14, Texas, playing in the fall, three opt-outs. Probably no starters. One guy's like a borderline starter, but like depth guys that could impact the roster. Three guys for number 14, Texas. Number 15, Oklahoma State, none. Number 16, Michigan, they've been hurt, playing in the winter. They've lost three guys. They've lost like two of their best five guys. Jalen Mayfield, the tackle, is probably their best guy. And then Ambry Thomas, the defensive player, top five guy for them. So, and then they lost a running back. So they lost three guys. That's significant. Number 17, USC, they lost one of their best guys. They're not playing in the fall. They lost one of their best guys, defensive lineman. I think he was a defensive lineman. Number 18, North Carolina, three guys. They lost three guys out of their secondary, playing in the fall. So my point is, right now, it's not like there have been three times as many opt-outs from winter teams as there have been fall teams. So if you can keep there from being a rash of opt-outs, if you play in January and February, I, there's probably slightly, you know, and I, like Rondale Moore is not on that list because Purdue's not in the top 25, right? But I'm trying to figure out the, the things that are really going to affect competition. Nathan, do you understand the point I'm making a little bit that for now, of course, I know that people are waiting for more opt-outs. But as you guys have said, some of this is like, you know, I mean, the fall is not happening in the Big Ten. If guys have stuck around this far, maybe they're open to January. What, what do you think of that list, Nathan? Well, I think, again, to, to tie it back to the original comment that, that Saban made, I think he was talking about um, the spring in particular. And I think you'd, that's where you would start to see significant departures, right? You're not talking about just two, three guys and maybe they're starters. I think you, that's where you're talking about all of the very best players off of some of these other teams' rosters that wouldn't be playing. I think that's They're not where, playing in the spring. Right. But I'm just saying that's what the original comment was, okay. though, I believe. Well, then, so, but so how – so but then that list – okay, so then apply his comment to the winter with that list I just gave. Does that back up the argument of no, it's not – I mean, listen, LSU lost a couple of guys. Texas lost a couple of guys. Oklahoma lost their starting running back. It, from that standpoint, it's not JV if they play in the winter. Right. Then I think it, it, it is more equitable in terms of what, what people are losing. And I, like I said before, I think that that is more in line. I think it's harder to make the, the JV argument there. Steven, what do you think of my, uh, my list? I mean, I, did, I spent like 11 minutes on it. I'd like a little bit of a, of a reaction to it. Good job on your list. Thank you. But no, it's 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 <laughs> it's quality football. Is it as competitive as SEC, ACC, Big Twelve? No, but if, if things hold and guys stick around, because it, it's a January season, then yeah, it's not JV football. It's still regular football. It's just only two conferences, and you're still you're two you're missing two of the three best teams in the country in it. But for the most part, it's still competitive football. Okay, so now I want to get to my bracket: winter football versus fall football. Um, there are 130 teams playing the highest level, level of college football, FBS football. 54 of them are not playing in the fall. That is 14 in the Big Ten. Then you have the Pac-12, the Mountain West, and the MAC. As conferences have all bailed. So, so four of the ten conferences have bailed. Six are playing. Two of the Power Five are, are in the winter. So, so, 
We think Maybe. three are in the fall. And then also four individual teams have are not playing in the fall. Old Dominion, which is in Conference USA, they're out. And then UMass, UConn, and New Mexico State. Uh, because like they're independent, they couldn't put schedules together. So 54 of 130 are out for the fall. Of that is that is 41.5% of the overall teams are out. Look at I mean, Stephen, <laughs> we're math. all doing math. <laughs> this is a math podcast now. 41.5% of the teams are out. I added up all the points in the AP poll. Every single vote. So if it was equal, then the teams that are not playing this fall would have gotten 41.5% of the total points. They got 33.5%. So they got 8% less than what they would have gotten if it was exactly equal. But they didn't get 11%, right? I mean, we're not going to pretend that the SEC doesn't dominate the polls and that kind of thing. But it's not it's not like crazy off. It's not ridiculous like, hey, there's 41.5% of the teams not playing, but they only got 19% of the vote. No, they got, they got 33.5% of the vote. So there is a gap, but to me, it's not a gigantic gap. So that's one thing to keep in mind from the JV argument of, hey, if, if the SEC and the ACC aren't playing as a JV, not the opt-out argument. Here are the matchups, the top eight matchups. You know what? We'll play this game. Now, listen, let's keep this in mind. AP voters, idiots. So we're using them as a reference point, which we appreciate. And again, I only say it because I would not mock a group that I wasn't once a member of. I want you to vote on what you think. So I'll give you the rankings, but you don't have to agree with the rankings and you can think in your own head and you don't have to know the full rosters of every team here to have a gut impression of which team you think would win a game. Okay, we'll just do gut. It's just gut time. So the first matchup in fall versus winter is number one Clemson representing the fall against number two Ohio State representing the winter. Steven, who wins that game? Ohio State. Nathan, who wins that game? I picked Ohio State one over Clemson, so I better say Ohio State. Okay, so that's one nothing. The winter leads the fall. Second matchup. Number three, Alabama, representing the fall. Number seven, Penn State, representing the winter. And we will live in the real world. Alabama, at the moment, I don't think has any opt-outs. Penn State's lost their best guy. Nathan, who wins that game? Alabama. Steven. Bama. And the fall rallies and ties it up 1-1. Matchup number three, number four, Georgia, versus number nine, Oregon. To my knowledge, not... Any opt-outs, at least opt-outs of significance at the moment? Yes, it's four versus nine. Oregon is the highest-ranked team in the Pac-12. We're not sure exactly who Georgia's quarterback is going to be. Of course, they're very talented. Steven, Georgia or Oregon? Georgia by a slim margin. Nathan? Georgia by a wider margin. The fall takes a 2-1 lead. Matchup number four. Number five, Oklahoma versus number 12, Wisconsin. Now, again, Oklahoma had their starting running back opt out. Wisconsin, to our knowledge, has not had anyone opt out. I would just like to say two words before you make your choice. Oklahoma's defense. Nathan, Wisconsin or Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Steven. Oklahoma still. <laughs> no belief in Paul Christ. No, no Paul I mean, you don't have to stop a team when they're only going to score 14 points. Well, I, I, I believe in Paul Christ to have a, a pretty good team this year, just not one to beat Oklahoma. Number six, LSU versus number 16, Michigan. Six, LSU versus 16, Michigan. Michigan, three significant opt-outs. LSU, two opt-outs. Steven, who wins? Michigan? Nathan. LSU. Mm-hmm. Steven, trying to, trying to believe in winter. Steven believing in winter. Well, no, I just outside of, outside of Jamar, I don't really know what's going on at LSU right now. Well, yes, Michigan's had some opt-outs, but at least you know a little I, bit of something. I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's crazy. They also <laughs> lost their offensive coordinator. Yeah. We don't know who's 
I don't know. I don't There's, know why. What 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 makes us think <laughs> LSU just lost fourteen guys to the NFL draft? What in the recent history of LSU, other than last year, and everybody who mattered from last year practically is gone, other than Jamar Chase? Literally. What about the recent history of LSU would lead us to believe? Oh well, there's no way Michigan can beat LSU. I, I split. I think is quite reasonable. Number eight, Florida, representing the fall. Number seventeen, USC, representing the winter. Nathan, Florida or USC? Florida. I had Florida number five on my ballot to start the year. Nathan, uh, Stephen. Florida. I feel like this needs some music behind it. It's like a game show. No, I just, I just want it to be. I just want it to be the silence of you guys just really believing in the SEC. We'll just let our listeners just let them absorb <laughs> all the SEC love currently taking place on Buckeye Talk. Next matchup: number ten Notre Dame, number nineteen Minnesota. Stephen, you row in the boat, or are you? Uh, I don't know. Whatever you do to a leprechaun. What do you? What do you do to a leprechaun? Dance a jig with a leprechaun? I don't know. Do you follow the rainbow? The Rainbow to the Paul the Rainbow. I don't know. I'm picking Minnesota, even without Rashad Baby. Steven says, cram it, Notre Dame. Nathan. Notre Dame. Nathan likes the fall. Nathan likes the turning of the leaves of fall football. I'm Num- honestly just picking based on who I ranked higher in this poll that I just <laughs> released a ballot for. I would look pretty <laughs> stupid if I picked Minnesota, who I had 21 over Notre Dame at 12. Nathan's not picking from scratch like I am. Yeah, so can't have as much fun. Last one, number 11, Auburn, number 22, Utah. Nathan. Auburn. Okay. Steven. Auburn. Okay, one, two, one, one. So, fall one, fall one. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Here's, here's my point. Clemson, Ohio State, toss-up, right? Bama, I, I mean, Bama's better than Penn State. I mean, nobody would dispute that, especially Penn State without Michael Parsons. Georgia, Oregon, I don't know. I mean, who, they, they got Wake Forest quarterback. Yeah. Are you telling me Oregon can't compete with Georgia? As much as we talk about people have told us, why do you keep including Georgia in the top tier? What have they ever done? I mean, they mm-hmm. lost a national championship game. You're telling me Oregon is that much worse than Georgia? I mean, I don't, I'm not saying you guys should have picked Oregon. But if you're going to tell me that's like, oh, there's a clear line between Georgia and Oregon, I'm not buying it. They're in the same ballpark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, I think that's a fair thing to say. Oklahoma and Wisconsin. Oklahoma, when they get on the big stage with what the defense, they can't play defense. Wisconsin, listen, Wisconsin can't hang with Ohio State. Oklahoma's not as good as Ohio State. Not on both sides of the ball. They're not. They're all about the offensive production. And, and you're telling me if they matched up and you gave Jim Leonard, who's a better defensive coordinator than Alex Grinch, and they had some decent quarterback play, whether Graham Merckx take, takes that job, whether Jack Cohn's okay, I, I spend my life mocking Wisconsin. But Wisconsin has at moments, Wisconsin hung with Ohio State last year in the Big Ten championship game. And then Oklahoma went and got its doors blown off by LSU. I'm not so sure that Wisconsin last year was that much worse than Oklahoma. What has Oklahoma done other than be the best team in a conference that doesn't play defense and then get on the national stage and give up 100 points? Are you telling me that Wisconsin and Oklahoma is non-competitive? And I'm not yelling at you guys for picking Oklahoma. Is it non-competitive or is Oklahoma not exactly going to know what to do with that Wisconsin offense, and they play some solid D, and Paul Christ is a good coach, and I know Lincoln Riley's a genius. Is there an avenue where it's competitive? It's definitely a contrast in styles, and whoever kind of sets the tone for whose style we're going to play this game under is going to win. So, yeah, it, it's either going to be Wisconsin can't keep up with Oklahoma scoring or Oklahoma's offense is struggling against Wisconsin's defense and – Wisconsin's offense gets just enough, you know, scores just enough to win a game 21 to 17. I don't think it's some kind of embarrassing mismatch. I do have some questions about what Wisconsin's going to do defensively with some of the guys that they lost from last season, but it's not, it's not like some kind of, you know, it's not Wake Forest against Clemson, not Wake Forest JV against Clemson. Right. LSU, Michigan. We kind of made our point. Steven actually picks Michigan. I think, I mean, LSU is coming off the greatest season in program history, and they lost a bunch of people. 
Um, Michigan, I mean, they're going to miss the guys that they don't have, but they have some skill, you know, that, that I don't, I don't know how for sure how good LSU is going to be this year. And I don't know how good their quarterback play is going to be this year. I just know it's not going to be as good as last year. So I, I think that's a reasonably competitive game. Florida USC, they seem like very similar programs to me in very, in very similar spots. That What's his name? Is it Keaton Slovis? Nathan, you're the voter. Yeah. Like, I don't know. USC might be good this year. Is it crazy that USC could be good? I don't I, – Florida's not blowing the doors off USC, are they? It's not like there's a talent mismatch there. I mean, USC's been horribly coached and had its head up its butt. But what's Florida? I don't know. I mean, I have I have them at different tiers. I mean, USC was an unranked team at the end of last season, so they're getting some appreciation for what we do know about them talent-wise. I had them 16th, but I had I have them in a pretty – on my ballot, there's a pretty significant gap. I have Florida right on, knocking on the door of playoff contention, and USC just kind of, you know, back down in the middle with the Wisconsins and the Utahs of the world. To be fair, we did name Kyle Trask as one of the guys who could come out of nowhere as a Heisman candidate. So, well, what do we know? We're idiots. <laughs> Buckeye talk. What do we know? <laughs> I mean, Keaton Slovis has as much of a chance as Kyle Trask to come out of nowhere and be a Heisman finalist, right? That's the, is that the USC quarterback, Nathan? You're right. That's yep. am I saying the right guy's name? I mean, he chased JT Daniels out of town. Um, so I don't know. And like, who's a better? Who's been a better program recently, Utah or Auburn? I don't know. Utah's in the mix. Kyle Whittingham. I mean, they, they, they overachieve a lot. They're in the mix for stuff. My point is, other than Bama, Penn State, honestly, other than Bama, Penn State, I don't think there's like a getting blown off the field matchup for the winter, right? So they, they lost 7-1 and 6-2, according to your two votes. But other than Bama, Penn State, and yes, I know – that of the top six teams, five of them are in the fall, and the only one that's in the winter is Ohio State. But, you know, nine of 25, nine of 25 playing in the winter, that this whole thing is my argument against the whatever percent of the JV discussion is, well, if you don't have, you know, it's only the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and they're not as good as the other conferences. I just wanted to make a point that, yes, they're not as good. But I don't think it's – I think it's 60-40. I don't think it's 80-20, right? And, and to me, mm. I mean, if you're, when you're talking about – you are also – you can't remove the fact that you're, to a, some degree, delegitimizing the fall also. You can't act like the fall is full-throated. This is college football when you don't have Ohio State and Oregon and Penn State and Wisconsin and Michigan and then act like winter stinks because it doesn't have Alabama and Clemson. And I, and I, and I, sometimes I feel like that's where people are heading with this. And I just think it's, yes, fall has an edge. I just don't think it's an overwhelming edge. I, th- I see the point you're making. I do think, though, that, that people, if you're looking at it from a national lens, there's people who sit back and say, yeah, it sucks that Ohio State, who we think is going to be one of the best teams, can't play. And, you know, maybe Oregon is, is even better than where they're being ranked. But they're going to look at it and say, but we can still get four playoff teams of pretty great caliber to play out a, a full national championship series. And I think that'll – for a lot of college football fans, that's still going to seem like a pretty legitimate season. And, and Ohio State, unfortunately, just kind of gets left on the outside of that looking in. I do think that, I agree. I'm just saying that's what I think a lot of people would look at it that way from national fan standpoint. I agree with that. But that's different than looking at it from a JV standpoint of it's just a lesser league just because, you know, the SEC and Big 12 aren't playing in it. Yeah, but I, again, I don't think that that's. I really don't think that was the genesis of the, that whole statement. I don't think that's no, necessarily yeah. what Nick Saban was saying. I think he was talking – and I think this, again, so 7-1 to one or 6-2 to two with one of the two wins um, for the uh, winter being a what you call also a toss-up game, Ohio State-Clemson. So also we could even be – it could have been 8 7 to one And then I think it puts into stark contrast what the winter act or the spring actually is if all those players leave. Then it does look like – it kind of heightens the discrepancy there. Right, right. But also, we can't pretend there haven't been players who have already left for the fall. But yes, I mean, I do think, and that's, we, we agree on that, that yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is a different winter season if Ohio State's seven best guys leave and if mm-hmm. 
a bunch of Michigan guys. But, but again, I mean, the, the Big Ten's already lost some some guys. There's not a million more guys left to lose. But yeah, yeah. I mean, look, yeah, I voted more for the fall than than the winter in the exercise we just did. But I put up a post off of yesterday's. Um, I don't know if people even know that we post these on our website, but I put up a post uh, from yesterday's pod where I kind of explained what I think are a lot of the potential legitimate, tangible things that Ohio State fans could find to appreciate in a winter season. And I believe it. I, I'm not just blowing smoke. I think there's some really fun, awesome things that could come out of a spring, things that could make that, a, or a, I mean, a winter, and things that could make that a really interesting couple months of football. Um, so I'm not dismissing that, but I am saying from a national fan standpoint, I do sort of see why um, the, the winter would kind of be maybe a little bit of an afterthought. But, but to your point of um, in a national situation, maybe it's your responsibility to lean towards the region a little bit. I, so I, if I say, oh, well, I, I would never – I had never voted that way or considered that really, I, I think I believe it here. Mm. So part of what I'm interested in doing is – Every time somebody from the SEC or the ACC or the Big 12 says, well, JB, we're the real season. All the good teams are playing now. I want to do this. And I'm not trying to say it's equal because also it's 3-2. But, you know, you're missing nine of the 25 best teams, right? So I don't – I just don't think – I don't think SEC fans even like realize that or acknowledge that you're missing nine of the 25 best teams. And I would like to throw that back out there. And even, yeah, it's three, two, but it's really more like two and a half versus two, because one of those three teams is the ACC. So. Which That's is true. So That's it's true. really, it's two and a half against two. It's two plus one against two. Right. So, so, so yeah, no, I think that's a valid point. And, and honestly, um, but I when think asking, he, yeah, asking the SEC to have some kind of sympathy or respect for other conferences, um, the average SEC fan, I think that's asking a lot. Oh, no. I know. It's just putting in context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the teams you're vying for, if you're saying one's a varsity league and one's a JV, is a league full of JV teams and a national powerhouse. So there were two uh, American teams in the top 25, Cincinnati and UCF. So that means there were nine teams from the Pac-12 Pac-12 and Big Ten, and there were 14 teams from the ACC, SEC, and Big 12. And when you take into account how many teams there are total in those conferences, 36.8% of ACC, SEC, 36.8% of the fall teams in the power conferences were ranked. 34.6% of the winter teams in the power conferences were ranked. And the the bulk of that nine is Big Ten. It was it was six, three, Oregon, right? USC, and Utah from the Pac-12, and everybody else was from the Big Ten. So again, there's and you can do, you know, five of the top six are from the fall. We get that, but when you're talking about depth, I think depth of the best teams. Let's just let's just not completely on behalf of regional bias. Let's on this podcast not completely give in to. Whatever the, whatever the SEC might mean by a JV comment, um, I don't want to give into that at the moment. And we'll wait and see what the plan is, and we'll wait and see how they execute it, and then we'll see which players stick around and which players don't. There's a point that was brought up to me today by somebody else, and I actually think we'll let people out of here with a slightly, for us, shorter podcast. But I want to bring this up for later in the week, and I don't 100% know exactly what we're going to do for Wednesday it doesn't feel like people are ready to mourn yet. Like we keep talking about this morning podcast. It doesn't, it just still doesn't feel right to me. I don't think to do two hours of what you're going to miss and why you love Ohio state football in the fall. Does that, are we ready for that Wednesday or are we not ready for that yet? I feel this feels like we're still in the it's, anger and confusion stage. I think once you know what's next, it's easier to mourn what you've lost. And right now, no one really knows what's next. We have an idea but, I mean, as this conference has shown, you might have an idea of how something's going to go, but that can flip very quickly. So until there's some concrete plans towards whether it's a March plan or a January plan, you can't really move on. You're kind of just stuck in this limbo stage. But, but I also kind of feel like the, the morning is more useful before we know what's going to happen next because it's like it's a difference between did your, did your grandma die or did she just go to prison for six months and you'll get to see her again? 
Because <laughs> that's what's going to kind of be for a winter or spring season. What is a grandmother doing that she's going? To I don't. Prison? I don't. I don't. I'm not getting. I'm not prying into people's business. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have Fam- gone. Family's with the, tough. Family's tough. I'm not sure I would have gone with the grandmother analogy yeah. in that situation. But I know what you're saying. I I I, I know what you're saying. Um, but I think we've gotten enough response from our texters and our people at the moment that even if there is a winner, they're still really going to miss it. And I do think they're going to miss it in the context of football's getting started. Maybe we can do sure. it like right before mm-hmm. the, the, the planned kickoff for the other power five conferences. We could do the, the Wednesday before that. So I want to, I want to bring this up as a tease for what will, I would like to do this later in the week. We haven't really dug into on the podcast, the announcement from the NCAA that all fall athletes, basically whatever you do this year doesn't count for eligibility, right? You, you, everybody gets a year back. And that is an impactful thing in multiple ways. And we've talked about how it might, you know, what are you going to do with scholarship counts? Are they going to have a waiver for everybody for next year? So you can go over 85. For instance, what does this mean for the Ohio state linebackers who have been waiting for Baron Browning, Pete Werner and tough Borland to move on? These guys who have been like, if you are a guy who is kind of a veteran who's been waiting for your chance because this is how college football works, guys ahead of you come through and then they leave. And now those guys might be back, but you don't know if they're going to be back. What are those guys going to do? Is that not a very serious and interesting and I think unfair you're trying to do right by different people, but with once you get a little wacky, the minute you try to give somebody a break or do right by one person, you inevitably end up doing wrong by another person. And I think it could get really sticky. And I don't want to dive into that because I think that might be worth a deeper discussion on another pod. But you're both kind of shaking your heads. Yes. Do you think it could get sticky? And then we'll leave a tease at that. I think there's some individual relationships that that could possibly be a little sticky, but I think I wrote this the, the day the announcement came down that I think they, the Ohio state's coaches would in most cases, I think you have to lean on what's fair to the guy coming next, unless the guy who's staying is so great that you can't pass up having him on the team, which I don't, that they wouldn't be staying if that were true. I think you almost have to just for the sake of, of, of keeping your program in the, in the correct cycle that, that you've been that you've had it on because if a guy ends up playing this season I don't think you've you deny him anything by saying we don't have a spot for you anymore I understand what the NCAA was trying to do with that but I don't like the idea of it because it throws things off and I, I, it shouldn't have come before a plan of what comes next for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 came because then it would have made no sense if this the January plan came out on Tuesday, comes out on Tuesday, and we know Ohio State's going to start its season January fifteenth, and Jonathan Cooper's going to have his fifth year senior, and Tub Borland's going to have his senior year. Then why would you need to okay for them to also have eligibility coming into next fall? Yeah, it it is. So we'll save it. We'll save any more discussion on that for a future podcast because I think maybe it can be a whole podcast. Roster management is delicate in a million different ways. And the minute one, you know, one guy transfers, one, one recruit decommits, one guy has a career-ending injury, a guy has an off-the-field off issue. I mean, it could be you've got to adjust, but, you know, it doesn't take much for, for your plans to get thrown off. And this is potentially a lot thrown into the mix and, and, and figuring out how to do it because um, they're all Buckeyes, right? I mean, the coaches love everybody. But you might you you really might get in a spot where you have to tell someone that you really care about and appreciate like you're getting squeezed here, and that could be really hard. All right, we'll tr- we'll find some more stuff to talk about. Um, I hope I I I hope you absorbed a little bit of that and maybe let it influence kind of how you're looking at things. Uh, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep stumping for January because I really just would would hope that people um, I hope the January plan is good. And I, I hope fans are able to enjoy it. And I hope the players are able to get something out of it. And I'm going to keep stumping for that uh, until it doesn't happen, you know? So that's where we are. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Try the text. I haven't talked about the text a ton. 614-350-3315. We had a bunch of news popping on Monday. It's just an example of like 
You get it fast, you get it quick, you get the analysis right away. You don't have to go search for it. 14-day free trial, give it a shot. 614-350-3315. And we could always use your reviews, your Apple Podcast reviews. We certainly appreciate those. So for Nathan, for Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.